welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, I think, relates to the jersey you're wearing today, Brad. Yes, I'm wearing a Braves jersey today, and I will say... I only get blank jerseys with no names on the back because I'm not the player's girlfriend, so I refuse to get named jerseys. I made three predictions about what would happen during and after the Braves World Series game last night, and I was three for three on those predictions. The first one was that the Braves would win the game easily, and they did. And the second one was that during the live postgame show, which these live postgame shows after the playoffs and live events in general have become a forum for this modern type of civil disobedience that we've talked about quite a bit, and my prediction was that we would be treated to yet another Let's Go Brandon chant as the commentators tried to talk about the game they were drowned out by people in the background chanting let's go brandon and this was a good 30 minute long chant actually and at one point they just switched over to f joe biden then back to let's go brandon and then as it ended it started as a big group and then towards the tail end there was just one guy probably before they drug him out of the stadium just chanting let's go brandon booming loud all by himself and he kind of slowed it down a little let's go brandon really articulate it. So that was fun, but I am looking or waiting for the media to co-opt this and demonize it because it's coming. There's no doubt about oh, it. Oh, I think it already happened. Didn't you see somebody sent that sent us a, an article or something like that? About the ADL commenting on it. I saw that. Was I was that unable it? to yeah. find it yet. It wouldn't surprise me if they have already. Yeah, I thought that they already did it. There was an AP fact check couple of days ago that said no let's go brandon was not removed for hate speech and bullying on twitter which tells me oh pretty soon it's going to start getting removed for hate speech and bullying the fact that they brought it up and started to put that into the conversation this is the modern form of civil disobedience it's really interesting the way this is happening i think it could also affect live streaming at, at sporting events too they could try to uh cut some of that out Oh, yeah. And since they put cardboard cutouts and fake noise, maybe they could just swap it out. They yeah. Really practice wow. that. That's they interesting. Always, they always had, probably not in baseball, but it's been a while. They don't like to talk about it, but they have like, um, I don't know if it's speakers that listen to the crowd and exaggerate the sound kind of a feat like magnify the sound they definitely do that but we now know that they'll just pipe in completely artificial sound yeah that's interesting and the third one was i predicted that something would trend about how the braves name or the chop is racist because they had this whole theme of it's the cheating astros versus the racist braves and shortly after the game trending on twitter was the chop is racist and also Native American was trending. However, it was interesting. It was an interesting turn of events because Rob Manfeld, he actually came out shortly before the game last night and defended the Braves' use of the tomahawk chop. This is a guy who removed the All-Star game from Atlanta, saying, citing the, quote, racist voter laws. And he said the team has done a great job with Native Americans. And he said it's a local issue, which I thought was kind of interesting. He said the Native American community in that region is wholly supportive of the Braves program, including the CHOP. For me, that's kind of the end of the story. And that market were, t- were taken into account the Native American community. In Atlanta, they've done a great job with Native Americans. And that community is the most important group to decide whether or not it's appropriate. Putting it on the local issues... 
it should be a local issue. And the Braves do a lot of partnerships with Native Americans. They have a Native American working group. They have acknowledged and the, the cultural co- contributions of Native Americans. So they're making an effort. I mean, a strong effort to work with that community and that community supports them. And of course, the media says, but do all Native Americans support it? Well, let me ask you this. Do all African-Americans support Joe Biden? I mean, because that's, Black that's Lives the, Matter. Right. Or Black Lives Matter. It's the same type of concept. It's ridiculous. You can't be held hostage if you don't have everybody in a certain group supporting some sort of thing. And, and then why is the default that it should go away? I mean, right. They would take away the beneficial things the organization is doing with that community if they had their way. Strangely enough, or maybe not so strangely, maybe greatly timed, the Cleveland Indians have a formerly known as the Cleveland Indians. A federal lawsuit was filed against them this week against the baseball team by a what kind of team is it? it's like a hockey team or a rollerblading team no, no the city's flat track roller derby team is suing the baseball team because of the name because roller derby's team name is the Cleveland Guardians which the Cleveland Indians switched their name to so that is so sad that and the Indians thing i mean you'd have to actually call them by the name of their nation because even native americans like america is amerigo vespucci it's a colonial name anyway so to say native americans is still making a colonial judgment on putting it in the context of a of a colonial nation. Whereas I, I don't think they considered themselves a single nation. Of course not. It was like the Cherokee nation and the Sioux and the Iroquois, Iroquois, whatever. So the, it, it, there's no way to honor the indigenous people of this continent or country without using a word that's in English or reflects whatever, unless you're going to go by one name or another. So I just don't think that, it's reasonable to negate their existence because all words seem to have some implication, some reference to, I don't know, at the colonial time. You know, I mean, I just the Braves, it's obviously such an honorific that you can't get away from that. But I mean, is the word Indian just really inherently wrong? It's it. It's baffling the way they present it that way. If you're using their theory and logic, if it is derogatory to name a team after a group, then it seems like for equality or equity that they would change the name to like the Cleveland white guys if they want to even things up a little bit, if it is in fact derogatory. It's not derogatory. It's an honor. I would love a team name to just be named after me, you know, or it, Atlanta I think anybody Crackers. would like that. The Atlanta Crackers. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Noble, we had a conversation with Noble not that long ago. And he's of uh, his parents were from the West Indies and he's from England and he calls it the West Indies. I mean, they're the Indies. That's where it came from. And he just uh, it's beyond him. He, he thinks the whole history of it all is muddled anyway. So they're hanging their hats on these things that aren't even necessarily fully reflective of the rights or wrongs from the past. So I have a local story from where I grew up, and this may be the first time I've ever brought a story from Rockland County, but in Rockland, when I was in elementary school, there was a big robbery at the mall, 
and a couple of people were killed. And the, it was called the Brinks job. And I remember because my parents railed for years that our taxes went up to pay for the trials. And then when the trials were over, the taxes never went down again. It was a big hullabaloo. And then eventually they did turn the taxes down. But it was an armored car was going to a bank in, in the town. And the Weather Underground robbed the armored car and killed some people. And uh, it was really a big deal. So I just noticed in a tiny article in the Wall Street Journal that the guy, one of the guys, the driver, so not one of the shooters, but the driver, but that's felony murder. If you are present, if you're a criminal committing a crime with other people and some, even if your partner gets killed by the cop, you can be charged with murder because someone was killed during your criminal activity. So this guy went to jail for murder and he's been in jail for however long, 40 years almost. And Cuomo, as on his last day in office, gave him clemency. So he had to go back to the parole board and the parole board just decided to let him go. And I thought, why on earth would he do that? Like, why would he go? I mean, this was the most notorious crime ever in our town. And it cost us a lot of money to put those guys up the river and I just started thinking, like, what is this guy connected or what? And then I look, the guy's son, this criminal has been in jail for 40 years, supposedly. His son is the DA of San Francisco. Like, the DA is the district <laughs> attorney, you know, like, is the cop. And then his mom is, so the guy's, the mother of this kid, she was also involved in the crime. She didn't get out of jail until 2003. She's the co-director and co-founder of the Center for Justice at Columbia University. And these people were associated with the Weather Underground? They went to jail for this crime where people died when the Weather Underground robbed. It was called the Brinks job. It was nationwide famous from being so uh, shocking. And uh, there was a, a getaway driver from the heist who also was commute. Her sentence was also commuted by Cuomo after almost 40 years in prison. Uh, so like that was just so weird. And then I remembered the weather underground bill Ayers during the Obama era. He was in the weather underground and then he was like on his feet. And I've seen that with a lot of the radicals from back then. So I thought, well, the weather underground had to have been CIA. That's what this is all about. It's just a CIA thing. So I look up, I type in weather underground and I'll tell you pages and pages of diversion from what I was looking for because weather underground is like an app that was bought by the weather channel. Right. So I'm like, OK, this is really outrageous. Then I say, OK, well, at least Mother Jones has an article called the CIA's Weather Underground. That was a Mother Jones article. I was like, OK, I don't love Mother Jones, but they're going to hit this. I start reading it and I'm like, where is this the right article? I look at the the topic and uh, the headline and everything. I'm like, why is this about Antarctica? And I was like, holy crap, it's literally about climate change. It has nothing to do with the weather underground. I finally found an article from uh, a website called Tin Whistle that said the weather underground was a CIA operation. And then in it, so this was definitely like a whitewash anyway, because in it, it says that uh, certain conspiranoid fantasies are injected into real deep state research to throw you off the sense such as no one got hurt at the Boston Marathon bombing, which I'm not sure about, but whatever. 
So I was like, all right, I don't know, maybe I could see that. Or we never landed on the moon. And I'm like, okay, so this guy has got you on the hook with the CIA was the Weather Underground. Obviously, it's an open secret that the CIA was behind the Weather Underground or converted it or however they do it. But it's just- They were a domestic terror group. I'm sure most people listening are familiar, but they were a domestic terror terror group like in the 60s or something like that. Yes, yes. Bombed a lot of places and they were actually- they came out of a group called the uh, Dem- Students for a Democratic Democratic Society. So they now use that those, yeah. was CIA for sure. <sighs> the Students for a Democratic Society is absolutely documented. And I think that was where Gloria Steinem came in, where she was also clearly associated with the CIA because of her association with that organization. In the articles I was reading, it says the Weather Underground emerged from the, the Vietnam protests, which I also think were CIA. They were just a schism for society. The draft dodgers are today's vax, anti-vaxxers. Like, I feel like the, the, the same elements that are at play to marginalize people who are people of principle who stand strong in the minority of, uh, of, a. Uh, of the political action, of popular action. So maybe some draft dodgers just didn't want to go to war, but a lot of them were conscientious objectors who weren't able to like get their quote religious exemption. Is there are a lot of parallels there? So it was annoying when it said it came out of the Vietnam as if it were authentic, because I don't even think it was. And they did this job in association with the Black Liberation Army, mm-hmm. I think it was called. Yeah. So that was another thing. And we know that the Black Panthers was infiltrated by or armed by the FBI or the CIA actually radicalized them and leveled it up to where it became a violent organization. So I see that all in there, but I just think it's interesting that Cuomo did this on his way out the door. I mean, this stuff lasts. Well, it's interesting with the weather underground, how glorified they are by some people on the left and literally people like Obama's guy, Ayers, Bill Ayers, who were involved in bombings are just, public figure public influential figures with powerful positions it just just goes away it's unbelievable it just wears off like it's as if you're reading one of those articles that says this article is two years old like he hasn't killed anybody in two years could you get over it please i was cast (laughs) in an independent film years ago that this is where i learned everything i know about the weather underground that completely just glorified everything about the weather underground it was striking to me at the time how this group of people held the Weather Underground folks up as heroes. It's like the Che Guevara stuff. What's that? Che Guevara was the... What country was he in? Colombia? He was a radical, like, communist revolutionary, but he he gave people... I mean, he was responsible for a lot of deaths, and I, I believe he committed atrocities. He was a Marxist revolutionary... Oh, in Cuba. Wow. I, I'm looking it up. I, I thought maybe Cuba. And I thought I thought I thought Castro had Cuba. Castro also, I thought, was an inside job. But who knows? Who knows? Oh, Argentine. No, it wasn't Cuba. It's an Argentine Marxist revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, a major figure of the Cuban revolution. His stylized visage has become a ubiquitous countercultural symbol of rebellion and global insignia and popular control. OK, so he was Argentine, but his atrocities or whatever were in Cuba, where he was the minister of industries for a while and the <laughs> president of the central bank. Oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. Go figure. President of the Central Bank of Cuba. Anyway, I'm not up on my Che Guevara history, but I know it really really irks people when he's on t-shirts and stuff when you know 
What a uh, oh, that's mild, the guy that yeah. Kaepernick or somebody had. Maybe it wasn't Kaepernick. It was wearing a t-shirt about. Uh, I, th- I, I think. I yeah, his his image is very iconic. Yes, that's that is the one that Kaepernick. I'm had showing him the t-shirt. picture off of Wiki. So, but he's like not a good guy. Yeah, it'll kind of piss you off. So we had talked about the election challenges and how Garland's case got dismissed and. You know, the grounds of the dismissal it really are questionable, in my opinion. And I think you shared some thoughts on that as well during the during the last interview with Garland we did. You just dropped that yesterday, right? Yeah. And there was a story that I was alerted to by uh, Nydia Tisdale. Uh, thank you for uh, uh, pointing this to, uh, in my direction, where a woman from Louisville, Kentucky, she's been arrested now for threatening the sub- Superior Court Judge Brian Amira. Amira? Yeah. Apparently, since wow. uh, the case was dismissed. Kentucky? Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Since that case was dismissed, he has received what the article said is a plethora, or the police said, of calls opposing his ruling. And one of those calls was made by this 42-year-old Kentucky woman. And during the call, she allegedly left a voicemail where she threatened him and his family. And the Henry County Sheriff says that the threats crossed the line and a warrant was issued Uh, about a week ago, under Terroristic Threats and Acts, subsection E. So Terroristic Threats and Acts, which outlines threats against a judicial officer. And she is now currently awaiting extradition from Louisville. Don't do this. I I would like to see what happens. She's just like a person of color. She is. I I would be interested to see. I I have not seen the actual court documents. I don't know what she actually said. Shouldn't be calling his house, or if it was his house, or if it was his office. Some of the details are not in these these articles I went through. I want to find that document because I want to see if what she actually did does amount to this terroristic level that they're so, calling. So we're, we're presumably she's a hardcore Trump supporter, right? Yes, not that's, like, that's the presumption. So you you me and Garland try to do updates on this case we have for almost a year and none of us voted for Trump. If I'm not mistaken, I don't want to speak for you, but let's just say I'm on the record as not having, Yeah, I didn't vote vote for Trump. Yeah. So, but a lot of people who are really emotionally invested in this, I mean, I really cared about it more for the Senate, but because there, the Senate would be 51 Republican. If, uh, instead of 50, 50, if the if what I consider to be the fraudulent ballots were removed. So but most people who are hot about it are just hardcore Trump supporters. And this 42 year old Kentucky resident, Aaron Northrup, does not look like her uh, style doesn't doesn't look like your typical MAGA. But you know what? She's yeah. in a prison. That's because she's in a pri- she's in a prison thing. Was her mugshot? Arre- it says has been arrested. Yeah, she has been arrested. Oh, oh, I, or, I oh, guess but they she hasn't been maybe. extradited. Oh, okay. yeah, but yeah, I think so. Maybe that's she's... why she looks bad. Like her okay. hair looks crazy, and she's in a prison jumpsuit. So that's why she doesn't. She Couple doesn't, of things. She's not wearing here. her MAGA hat. Yeah, she didn't have her MAGA hat on. You're gonna let you wear that in the mugshot. Maybe they'll start letting them wear that in the mugshot just to set an example. See what happens when you wear a MAGA hat. You get arrested. I want to see what she actually did. If it does amount to this terroristic level, and if it does, let's say it does. And I'm just on the presumption that it does, although it may very well not have. I don't know. This is not the way to do it. This is not the way to oppose. This is not the way to challenge. This is not the way to stand up. 
behavior that does cross this line that can be called a terroristic threat under this Georgia Act is exactly what will enable them to ju- to have justification for classifying people who fit that January 6th profile as domestic terrorists at the federal level. These are the types of cases they need to get what they want. So if you want to protest these things that you don't like, do it the right way. Do it peacefully. Do it with love. Do not fall for the bait because falling for the bait will enable them to get exactly what they want. Yeah, and it, it it reminds me, I don't know what her story is, but it reminds me of the January 6th thing in itself in that it's exactly, if you actually went there on January 6th and upturn, overturned the process that was going on, you actually participated in the worst possible action if what you wanted was for Biden to not be certified that day. So... Yeah. Right. So if if Garland is trying to appeal this and uh, and the appeals court says, you know what, this has to be put to rest because people are in danger now. Yeah. Uh, 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 A way to go forward. Yes, exactly. That could have the consequences to Garland. A way to go forward like this woman, if she did do something that crossed that line, instead donate money to Garland's cause. Donate donate money to causes uh, for people who are actually furthering the effort. Go to a parade supporting somebody like Garland. Give them energy. Give them enthusiasm. Make a video showing your support. Threats to people and individuals is just not the way to do these things. Yeah, I'm with you, babe. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So there was one more. You know what? I'll bring this story to XR. I have a story about homes being 3D homes being yeah. built in Austin, Texas. And I just have some ideas about where I think it's going and where I think it came from, let's just say. So, but before we get to the last big story of the Free 30 and then the DNBXR after that. And in the Free 30, the last big story, I want to talk a little bit about the article I read in the Wall Street Journal today that the uh, there is a board, an advisory board at the FDA that has advised that the Pfizer vaccine get emergency use authorization for kids 5 to 11. Now, I'm just going to do some math for you on how ridiculous that is. And then in the XR, I'm probably going to lose my cool a little bit because it's really pissing me off. I mean, it's just really pissing me off. So let's talk about that. Other stuff we're going to talk about in the XR. You're going to tell us about new tech that lets online shoppers feel the product before you buy it. And... um yeah, so we'll also get to this the story about the homes, the 3D homes that I wanted to get to today. And of course, a big thanks to the sponsor of today's show, a person who does this work as a labor of love, born of a bad experience she doesn't want other people to have. And because I can barely get my mouth around what she's warning us about, we... I... Did it in advance. So let's hear that message from Molly. 
We are excited to bring this extended shout out to you from Molly. She's a patron saint and a big fan of the show, and she has a very important message she'd like to get out there. Molly wants people to know that there's a toxic heavy metal called gadolinium in the contrast injection you get when you get an MRI, and some people have a devastating reaction to it. You can find out more about that by looking into the experience of Chuck Norris and his wife, Gina, who, like Molly, are trying to raise awareness of the serious issue. Gadolinium is a rare earth mineral that's not found isolated in nature. Yet because of MRIs, it's now in our environment and can accumulate in our bodies. The long-term effects of using this heavy metal in the millions of MRIs that are done every year are not yet known. Molly just wants people to know the risks involved in getting this injection and to learn more about the possible impact this practice may have on us all. Knowledge is power, so learn more about gadolinium in MRIs at Molly's website, www.mrs.com mridie.com that's www.mridie.com so i think i mentioned this probably every time but at, my son had to get an mri before a surgery and i said i'll go read the website you know see what you think about that he's a smart kid he came back he's like there's absolutely no way i'm getting that dye <laughs> we and i i asked molly i said what should he do she said ask if they can do the mri without the dye so i did and they did and he did the surgery and it was fine they didn't like it but they did everything so he's great he's perfect it was just like an orthopedic thing but it was so anyway you know knowledge is power baby yeah <laughs> and that's so, something you never really think about, too. It's just you're just so I, used to like right before Molly told, sent this to us like a year or so ago. I had gotten an MRI for my hip. I got an MRI with the dye and everything. And then when I started to investigate, I found out that my aunt had gotten really, really sick from it. So when something runs in your family, you got to watch it. Anyway, nobody even thinks about it. And the doctors don't really care. So, well, they don't seem to care. So I just want to. So that would be great if you check Molly's stuff out. Um and also, if you want to support us, and we support other people, we we a lot of these um, the the ads we do for Molly are uh, contributed. So we try to do our part in helping our sponsors and um, making this community work. If you want to support us, mostly we just like to add more value, add more content, and hope that you appreciate that and find it to be a good value outside of the good that you think it does. So we have a lot to offer. We have a lot on Rockfin. We are now putting this podcast on Rockfin. If you want the RSS feed, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and you can get 50 minutes of the drive time news blast without commercials every single day on your favorite podcasting platform if you want to get everything that rockfin has to offer which is just tons of exclusive content from a lot of other people go to page uh, rockfin.com slash propaganda report and you can still listen to the dnb there also but if you want and we do live stuff we're doing the live DNB on Thursdays from Rockfin. So you get that there. If you want the live DPP, the Disappearing Patron Party, or the Zoom Party, which is this Saturday, uh, be a look at the tiers, be a party level tier, tier, uh, tier at Patreon, patreon.com slash propaganda report. And without further ado, let's go to the last big story of the Free 30. And that is. The okay, so I said the FDA advisory board is recommending emergency use authorization for five to 11 kids, 
And for me, what they said was the benefits outweigh the risks. And there's only one way, I'm going to do some math for you, but there is absolutely only one way to interpret that after you do the math, which I'm going to do for you in a second, which is the benefits to society outweigh the risks to the child. And that is really a violation of human rights. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah, that's 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 experimental. Like that's what the euthanasia and stuff is all about. That all this collectivist stuff that creates a lot of pain and suffering to the human being, to the individual, including death and illness, is always couched in those terms. Can you say just that first part of that again? Because that's really important. I think that's a fantastic point. When we hear the benefits outweigh the cost, we personalize and individualize it. But I think you're exactly right. That's not what they do. Yeah. When I lay out the math, you're going to understand that they can't, they don't even have the basis by which to say that the costs to the child outweigh the benefits or the benefits to the child outweigh the cost to the child. They, what they mean when they say the, the benefits outweigh the costs is that the benefits to society outweigh the cost to the child. And here's why. So when it, 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 it was reported in the British news, but there's like actually a few things, but it's reported in the British news, even though it's American data, that boys are four to six times more likely to wind up in the hospital from the vaccine from carditis, myo or periocarditis, which is inflammation around the heart. And as I've said before, I knew a kid who was 13, about 15 years ago or so, who died of carditis from a coronavirus. So it wasn't just COVID-19. It happens. It happens rarely. But it does happen. So I think maybe it's a spike protein thing. I really don't know. But so they said that this study said it looks like you're six times more likely to wind up in the hospital if you get the vaccine than if you had gotten COVID. Now, let's see if I can get these these this math right. Okay. So the way a test normally works is you don't just like they they say, well, they, they the kids are generating an antibody response. That's like the very first level of trial. The the later levels are you have to have a control group, an experimental group of a robust number, a number big enough to include the likelihood of getting the illness or feeling the side effects. So in this case, let's say, so they're not even sure. What he said is the they said the statement or the article I read said it it will reduce pediatric COVID and may reduce transmission. So if you hear regular anecdotal stuff, interview I heard an interview on the BBC yesterday that said the reason you want to vaccinate kids who really don't get too sick with COVID is that they are around adults and they're these they're these little carriers. So it goes to that asymptomatic spread fallacy. So that's how you know that it's about the benefit to society because the kid's not going to get sick. You just have to neutralize the kid because the kid is a little germ factory. That's the argument. So I, I looked it up and ends up there were 439 children have died from COVID so far in one of the articles I read encouraging the vaccine for kids. So that's 439 kids. So if you you would have to have a test of about 150 or 200,000 kids to find one COVID death. And in that, you would probably find six carditis 
deaths or whatever, if the, if the death to hospitalization rate holds. So you would have to have, in order just to find one, you would have to have a trial of 150 or 200,000, or you're really not able to test the efficacy of the drug. And they did not do that. They said they didn't even do testing that could detect the carditis, which means that they don't even have a big enough, you'd need like 25,000 or 30,000 kids to take the vax to get one case of severe carditis. Now you think, well, if it's only one in 27,000, that's no big deal. I'm saying it's one in 27,000 is that's how you'd have to have 27,000 kids just to have a robust experiment. But if you have one in 27,000 cases of carditis and you're giving it to all the kids and there are it's like 73 million children in the United States, I don't have the actual, the total ages broken down, but if, if you're looking at it like that, every 20, of every 27,000 people who get it at that rate, at one in 27,000, you would have 2,700 cases of carditis, like that landed kids in the hospital, which is five times as many as kids who died from COVID. Wow. So I don't know how many kids are hospitalized with COVID. They send kids to the hospital more frequently now for like every little thing and they'll call it COVID. But I'm just saying you you can't evaluate the individual risk without a trial that's big enough to assess how many kids would or would not get COVID whether they had the vaccine and how many kids would or would not get carditis without the vaccine. You need at least 30,000 kids in that trial. And they're not even doing it. And I don't even think their argument is that they want to know that information. And there was an ethical complaint about the trials, even in adults, saying, you are not giving these people informed consent for these experiments because... They aren't even aware of the very real risk, which is very real for kids. It's what happened with why they don't have the retrovirus or RSV or whatever it's called vaccine is because when they gave that to little babies, two toddlers died in the 60s because of vaccine enhanced respiratory disease. And that's a real risk with coronavirus vaccines. And they didn't tell people that in the trials. They're certainly not telling people that now. This is a big ethical problem because informed consent is in the Nuremberg trials. And they're not, not only they're not giving them the information that they could glean, they're not even telling them the risk they already know. Yeah. And they probably cut off that number low purposely so that they wouldn't get that data. Absolutely. When they do, I think that um, the big pharma chemist, the British guy who was making the rounds there for a while, haven't heard from him lately, but he said you can't have a two, 300-person trial for a, a rollout that would be that big and have side effects in a, in a large number. And this is why there's always been a much higher standard for vaccine drug testing than other kind of drug testing for two reasons. One is other drugs are there to treat a disease that you have. So you can make the choice if the side effects are worth it. The population that takes them experiences those side effects. But the other reason is it's a population-wide exposure which means at that point, you're exposing seven. That's why you could have 2,700 kids in the hospital with carditis if you give it to 73 million kids. But if it's just a very small number, the chances are, you know, maybe your odds are the same, but the actual injuries would be much lower. And there's just a lot of, I mean, I, maybe I didn't present it very well, but there's just a lot of um, qualitative fluff 
in the stories. Yes, yeah. qualitative fluff. That's a great <laughs> term. And they want us <laughs> to think of it as science. But yeah, right. You know, the numbers they just the the numbers don't add up from at the sixty thousand foot level, and they're not doing the trials. No, they're just sending it. Fauci out to gaslight people, and they're doing article after article and saying, congratulations, you're now eligible to get the vaccine. And so you've been waiting for this eligibility. And they, there's a poll that was, this is from a couple weeks ago. I think there was a newer one I just saw on ABC that's a slightly different. But the numbers from a few weeks ago, um, based on the question of will you get a coronavirus vaccine for your kid, was 37% of parents said yes, 35% said no, 26% said maybe. So we're going to start seeing those propaganda messaging campaigns targeting those. 26 percent of people to push it over the edge for their kid absolutely uh okay so we have another shout out believe it or not from ism can't he's on a roll but he's trying to keep with my hope of getting people together so i'm going to do a meetup in pasadena los angeles area on November 6th, you can email me at the Propaganda Report Podcast at gmail.com if you want to come, and I'll give you the information. Uh, but Ism Kant was saying that he and some people who he connected with through us, like at Neighbors and stuff, are going to go to Robbie Bernstein's meetup. It's actually, I think it's his show in Atlanta on Thursday, December 9th. It's at 8 o'clock Eastern. You might want to go, Binkley. So I reached out to Robbie, and I just said, hey, you know, um, what do you want to tell tell my people, <laughs> you know, about this event? And he was super psyched. He said it is absolutely going to be right up our alley. We're going to love it. He said it's going to be he's going to cover Corona, global warming, Biden, year one and the Supreme Court. But it will be loaded with jokes and insights on why everything they're telling us is wrong. So he he does the show with Dave Smith. So I thought it would be a nice way. I'm really open to that. Like if you want to do other meetups, no agenda meetup or whatever, not to piggyback at all, but just because I think that people in the local community need to meet each other. And when there's overlap with stuff like this with Robbie or uh, no agenda or anybody, Sam, I don't know if you are going to go to something like that. I'll even send your propaganda report t-shirt, although I don't want to step on anybody's toes, so I don't care about that. But I'll shout it out so that you can go and meet other people who will help keep you sane, keep your feet (laughs) on the ground. I mean, living out here, it's just so, and even like in Hawaii and stuff, it just feels so what a, uh, a domestic abuser would say. Like, you know, you're doing this to yourself. The reason you can't get your haircut, I'm getting my last haircut on November 2nd, because November 4th, they're closing the haircuts you know i might just let my hair grow are they close against me oh yeah so uh but but their attitude is you're doing this to yourself why you know why don't why are you resisting why don't you just you brought this on yourself because you're so belligerent you know it really i really yeah. feel like i'm i'm being abused why did you make me spouse. do this to you <laughs> why did you make me do this to you <laughs> exactly exactly it's so crazy but they already said the cdc chick already said they're going to change the, the the they hope to change the definition of fully vaccinated so two shot people aren't going to be able to get into the salon anyway. So I'm hoping Jeez. for some house calls. All right. Well, on that note, you guys can find your drive time news blast 
every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content Monica was telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. If you want to see the live with video, DNB Thursday tomorrow, rockfin.com slash propaganda report. We will talk to y'all in the DNB XR or tomorrow. Have a fantastic rest of your day. If you're in California, get those haircuts scheduled before the date comes. Oh, yeah. Everything. <laughs>